You know, it's good to have brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ who, who watch out for you. Brother Willie was, was, was commenting uh, just a minute ago about how it was, it was nice to have people that he knew was thinking about him. Y'all know who you were. They were thinking about him. It's nice, isn't it, Brother Willie, to have people thinking about you. People bring you a cup of water when you need a cup of water. It's nice. It's nice to be a part of a, of a family, a church family. Has the word church family become an oxymoron? An oxymoron is a figure of speech where contradicting terms appear together, such as open secret. Well, if it's a secret, it's not open, is it? So two contradicting terms appearing together. The boy was found missing. Well, if he was found, he's not missing, right? But we understand exactly what that means. I like this one, jumbo shrimp. I like jumbo shrimp. But if it's shrimp, how can it be jumbo? You know? Or, or this one, uh, I gave him the larger half. Well, it's not half if you gave him larger, right? Dana and I, we've had a couple of days where we were alone together. Enough said, Right? Does the church family fit with these examples? Does, does the phrase church family, is, has it become an oxymoron? Wolves, they travel in packs most of the time. So a lone wolf is an oxymoron. Can a Christian be a lone Christian? Can you be a lone Christian or or like, like the Lone Ranger? Or do you need Tonto? Do we need our Tonto as a Christian? President Herbert Hoover made the term rugged individualist proper, popular back in the 1930s. The idea that the true American is, is self-reliant, uses their independent American spirit to, to forge ahead, always has, always will. But it's not the American spirit I'm concerned about today. It's the laissez-faire attitude or the, or the hands-off attitude. Let it be way of thinking. The lone wolf strategy. An island mentality that is making, it, making a phrase like church family an oxymoron. An oxymoron. Jesus, he prayed for unity, and I believe his prayer has been answered. The true church has unity under the banner of doctrine. But do we, and I'm trying to, in this short amount of time, to hone the discussion down to us here at Fountainhead. Do we place ourselves under the unifying banner of love? Brother Mike Copeland, in a sermon that he had entitled, Connected to Other Christians, he says that for many in our fellowship, they feel that being a Christian involves minimal involvement with the local congregation, and their attitude is aloof, isolated, and solitary. He said the attitude of what I call lone Christians is a sullen and withdrawn attitude at times. The congregation's work becomes, he says, what they are doing down there instead of what we are doing. 
Lone wolf mentality is what I like to call it. Lone wolves. Some of you may not understand what it means to be a part of the family of God, but some of you do. Some of you do very well. You were part of it before, but have decided to do things on your own. But notice the danger. When you remove the ember from the flame, it ceases to burn, does it not? It ceases to burn and it ceases to be useful. And I'll admit, it's hard sometimes to develop the type of fellowship that God desires. It's a hard thing to do. We're going to discuss that here today. And it, it, it's, it's most advantageous to us, though, to, uh, because of the differences that do exist to do things God's way. It's easy to be accepted into the family because of physical ties. You know, they had the, the Parker reunion here yesterday. They had 45 plus here. Now, I, I think I made the comment a couple of years ago when I walked through on one of those Parker reunions. I want to be a Parker. I had a lot of good food at the Parker reunion. I wanted to be a Parker for that day anyway. It's easy to be accepted into a family, but I'm not a Parker. I'm not part of the, physically part of that family. I, I'll never be a Parker. It's easy to be accepted to a family because of physical ties, uh, social ties. You, you know, it's easy to be accepted to an organization because you have something socially in common with someone or because you play ball with somebody. It's easy to be accepted there based on common interests. But in the church, there are so many different types of people, aren't there? I'm glad to see here at Fountainhead different races worship together. There are, there are Democrats and Republicans sitting on the same pew. The poor and the rich are here. There are hundreds of different hobbies represented here. Some I would like and some I wouldn't. There are differences in, in spiritual maturity as well. Some of you are strong in the faith and some of you are, are very weak in the faith. And that's okay. That's okay. We're, we're part of a family, you see. The answer to strengthening our church family and keeping us all from being oxymorons is an aspect of love called understanding. We need, we must understand what it means to be together. We must understand what it means to be, to be unified. We need to understand our responsibilities as Christians here at Fountainhead. And we need to understand God's attitude toward our church family here at Fountainhead. Unity. We need to understand God's, God's thoughts about unity. We are a family. How do I know? Well, the Bible tells me so. In Ephesians chapter 3, there are three ways. Three ways that we are connected to each other and help us understand the importance of unity and not trying to make it on our own. In fact, after chapter 3 and chapter 4 of Ephesians, we're told to walk in unity. Chapter 5, we're told to walk in love. And at the end of chapter 2, how we're being built as a dwelling place for God with Christ as the cornerstone. Unity, togetherness. That's what Paul's talking about. He wants us to be together. He wants us to be unified. 
Chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Do you, do you see, do you see how, how big a part understanding is to understanding? Do you see? We've got to understand understanding. Our unity. How important it is to our our fellowship. How important it is to our family. How important understanding is to our family. Verse 5. Which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. If you're an heir, you're part of the family, right? If you're an heir, you're, you're part of the family. Verse 6. You're, you're part of the fellowship. Verse 6. Of the, of the same body, you are a member of a body of which separation only becomes painful. You, you can only separate parts of your body from you painfully. Verse 6. And partakers of His promise in Christ through the gospel. Paul is, is echoing what he wrote in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you're Christ, then you're Abraham's seeds, heirs, according to the promise. We have this unity and family by obedience to the gospel. And we as a family share in a promise. In verse 9, back in Ephesians, Paul tells uh, the purpose of the fellowship of the mystery that the manifold, the the many-featured wisdom of God may be made known to the church, the fellowship, the body, the family. From the beginning of the church, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, there was fellowship. From the beginning. We are fellow citizens, Ephesians 2, verse 11. Not just of Portland or the United States of America, we're fellow citizens of God's kingdom if we're Christians. We are fellow heirs of the promise, Ephesians 3, verse 6. Fellow workers, Philippians chapter 4, verse 3. Fellow servants, Colossians chapter 1, verse 7. Fellow soldiers, Philippians chapter 2, verse 25. And if we are to extend the right hand of fellowship, Galatians chapter 2, verse 9, with each other, we need to understand that we're part of a family. We are members of one body, Christ's body. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22 and 23 of which He is the head. The idea of being a lone Christian is a foreign idea to the Bible. The church is Christ's. Matthew chapter 16 verse 18. But when Paul told the Romans in Romans chapter 16 verse 16, the churches of Christ salute you. When he said that, he wasn't speaking of different denominations, but of the various congregations that were involved in making up the church worldwide. The church universal. The church is universal, but the church is local as well. 
When you become a Christian, you're added to the church universal. You're added to the worldwide church by God. God does this. That's what it says in Acts chapter 2 verse 47. But notice in Acts chapter 9, if you'll, if you'll turn there, Acts chapter 9, Saul who became Paul, when he was baptized, he began his work right there in Damascus. You see. The Jews, they wanted to kill him, verse 23. So Saul... He made his way to Jerusalem. Notice in verse 26. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and did not believe he was a disciple. You, you can't join the church. You can't go out and, and join the church. The Lord adds you to the church as we've read, as we've seen in Acts chapter 2 verse 47. But you can join yourself to the local congregation and get busy. You must. We need to identify with the local church. Paul ran into the wall that so many run into today. So many new Christians fall away because they never feel a part of the family. But I hope Fountainhead has a Barnabas. I hope Fountainhead has a Barnabas. That's what happened to Saul, the one who became Paul. He ran into Barnabas. Barnabas took him in, verse 27. We're part of a family. How dare we ostracize someone whom the Father calls His? As Christians, we are obligated to be together in a local sense. Hebrews 10, 25. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, we are commanded to withdraw from some, which, replies, which implies that we had fellowship with them. I mean, you, you, you can't withdraw from someone you've never had fellowship with. And that's a command. We have a responsibility to maintain the church family where we belong. We have a responsibility to do that. We need to, as we've seen, identify with the local congregation and bloom where we are planted. Be proactive and let the elders know that you're going to submit to their leadership. We need to submit to the leadership here at Fountainhead. Hebrews chapter 13 verses 7 and 17. We need to, we're to, we're to worship correctly. As it says in John chapter 4, verse 23, we're to worship in spirit and in truth. We have a responsibility to contribute financially to the work here at Fountainhead. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. We have a responsibility to do these things and engage in the works of the church of which we'll talk more about later this year. But just as important as the form and the function are, The feelings we are to have for our family members are just as important. We need to get to know each other. We must. We need to get to know each other and stop being lone Christians. Because we must care deeply for each other 
and watch out for each other. Paul, to the Corinthians, using the body as an analogy, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25, there should be no schism, there should be no splits, there should be no tears. Now think about your body having a tear in it. Think about ripping your skin open. There should be no schisms, no splits, no tears in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, hear me church, if one member suffers, this is the Bible church, listen to me now, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with him. And if one member is honored, all the other members rejoice. We must understand that. We must understand that we are Christians now. We're not our own. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23. We were bought with a price. We were bought and paid for. The life, the death, and life again of Jesus Christ. And like Jesus, we are to be meek. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Patient. Colossians chapter 3. And love each other. 1 John chapter 4, verse 11. We cannot do this if we don't know each other. We cannot love each other if we don't know each other. We're part of a family. Our elders want us to be closer together. This year you're going to see that. You're going to see that. I hope you relish in it. I hope you glorify God because of it. We're supposed to be close. Even with all our differences. You know, in the first century, Judea, there were different groups. There were Different groups of Jews. There were, there were Pharisees and Sadducees and Essenes. There, there were different types of groups. There was another group that was called the Zealots. They were militarily opposed to the Romans. They didn't like anything Roman. They hated the fact that the Romans had occupied their land. And they were one of the very first terrorist groups that I can remember reading about. They were a terrorist organization. They were consumed with bringing down the Roman government in their area. Same area our boys have been fighting in for a while. They were to the Romans a terrorist organization sworn to kill Romans or or those who helped Romans. You know, even their own people were, were, were tax collectors. The, the Romans had made them tax collectors. And, and those zealots, they would, they, would, they would hurt a tax collector if they caught him out in the open. Sure would. Might even kill him. Notice in Luke chapter 6, when Jesus calls his apostles. Verse 15, he calls Matthew the tax collector for the Romans. Notice who else he calls. Simon the zealot. 
You think Matthew had a hard time laying his head down at night sometimes? A tax collector, knowing that a zealot was just a few feet away. Two people totally different. But Jesus made them family by their obedience. Jesus put them together. Jesus has a way of doing that. We need to understand and act like God who shows no partiality. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17, God wants all to be saved and so should we. 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse 9, God wants us to be one. That just as Christ received us, Romans chapter 15, verse 7, we are to receive one another. That just as God loved us, we are to love each other. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10. So that 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, we can be bold on judgment day. You know, when judgment day comes, will you be scared about it? Or will you be bold? Are you ready for the day to come? Are you ready for judgment day to come? If you can say that now, you can say it when it comes. If you can't say that now, you won't be bold when it gets here. You get that, don't you? Can you say, I'm glad that Jesus Christ is coming back. I'm happy about it. Well, if we love each other here, we can be bold when that day comes. You see, we have the right attitude then. We have the right attitude. Some of us need some spiritual renewal. Some of us, we need to understand that. We need to have some spiritual renewal. Some of us, some of us just need to downright repent. Let me just say it bluntly. Some of you here at Fountainhead need to repent. You really do. Your attitude toward the family has been horrendous. Whenever our differences collide, we need to be Christ-like. We're to be Christ-like. We're to to put off the old man. Look at Colossians chapter 3 and verse 9. Colossians chapter 3 verse 9. We're to put off the old man. Put on the new man. We can't keep acting like we've been acting. Different little cliques here. Different little things here. We're a growing congregation. We've got the growing pains. We've got to understand that. We've got to come together with love. Be unified. Colossians chapter 3 verse 10. Having, have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. As we renew, as we put on this new man, as we become more Christ-like, our differences lose their significance. They become less significant when we put Christ on. When we look at each other through the eyes of Christ. Verse 11, 
where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. As we become more Christ-like, unity develops and the lone Christian ceases to exist. Verse 12, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, understand how you're supposed to act toward each other here. Notice, put on tender mercies. We aren't hard or harsh with each other. Tender. Mercy is something that you have the power to give. You see. We put on tender mercies. Kindness. Not, not mean and unkind. We're not to be that way to each other. Humility. Not, not pridefulness. Meekness. That's, that's what we're supposed to have. Like, like Jesus. Long-suffering. That's, that's what we're supposed to have. Patient with each other. Thinking the best first. I love, but Brother Shockley said one time, so many times we don't think the best first. We think the worst first about somebody. We need to start thinking the best first. Forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. But notice the unifying togetherness, the church family statement. In the next verse, verse 14. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. That's the bond. That holds us together. That love holds us together. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. Let us ever be thankful for this one glorious body that we have here at Fountainhead. Never take it for granted. We have a wonderful fellowship here. Let's never take it for granted. Let's never get to the point that we have schisms and and tears in the body. Let's never do that, Fountainhead. If we find ourselves thinking that way... Let's, let's do an about face. Let's do a, a personal repentance to where we, we pray to God and we ask Him to forgive us and, and we, we make sure that we're being unified. Let's not, think of, let's not think about there's this group here and this group here and this group here and this group here. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Let's be of one mind, one spirit. The unifying love that bonds us together, we've got to have it. Let us strive here at Fountainhead in 2012 to put the meaning back in the words church family. Put the true meaning back into church family. And Fountainhead will shine as a light in the darkness. You will. Because the world doesn't understand the concept of family. But you do. You've got it. You've got the concept now. You understand what it means to be a church family now. So let's, let's, let's get together. Let's unify. Let's make sure we're all on the same page. And we will shine as a light in the darkness. And we, we won't be able to, to, to keep the people away. We won't be able to keep the people away. 
Let me tell you. You don't have to be alone anymore. You don't have to be alone anymore. You can be a part of a family. You can. Do you want to be? Do you want to be a part of God's family? If you do, if you want to be a part, come right now. Together we stand and sing.